Did you know that today, the 9th of September, in the year 2022, the Strange History Podcast would hit its milestone of releasing 30 episodes? This has been a phenomenal experience, and it was not until seconds ago that I realized this was episode 30. So thank you guys for allowing us to entertain you with 30 of the most random-ass, interesting, (laughs) devious, strangest, weirdest parts of what makes humanity human. If you've enjoyed this podcast, thank you for enjoying. Thank you for your support. And buckle up, because it's just going to get stranger and weirder from here (laughs) on in. Hi, I'm Brad. And I'm Alyssa. Welcome to Strange History, the podcast where we talk about, you guessed it, strange history. Today's episode is... Well, we're talking about our favorite thing. Catholics! Y'all knew this would come back around eventually. We're specifically going to be talking about the Children's Crusade... Is? Because there's... Yeah. Yeah, there's... Is two ish kind of plural in the year 1212. The second I read those words while we were planning season three, I just I was like, no, we have to do it. I don't know what it is, but we're doing it. Um, so after some confusing research, at least for me, here we are. Oh no, this was I think this was one of the most difficult episodes that we've had to write. So I feel far. like the, the one after this one was easier, and that one's like half made up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the next episode that we did. I managed to do seven pages in less than an hour. It was so easy. And this, we had to write together in the same room. Yeah. And we struggled. And I think, honestly, we have a lot of similar information. I think so. There's not many sources. It's fine. This is a fun one. (laughs) Episode 30, Child's Play. In the year 1212, a group of crusaders would arrive in droves to Paris, France. Their leader would ask for, no, demand, a meeting with King Philip II. The warriors had marched all of France, and by now they were tired, wet, and starving nearly to death. The retinue would wait as their leader approached and begged Philip for permission to start a crusade. The idea was this group of nearly 30,000 would win over the hearts and minds of the Muslims in the Middle East and convert them to Catholicism and settle the uncivilized lands in the name of the Pope and the Catholic Church. In his hands, the leader of this group held a letter wrote by Jesus Christ himself to be delivered into the hands of the King of France. His vision was large, grandiose, and impressive. The followers he had amassed that followed him on his march were equally as impressive, and he spoke with charismatic charm. He was, as he said, chosen by God for this very mission, and instilled with a set of skills that would make him a valuable leader, crusader, and an unstoppable warrior of God. Rumor had it he had already showed off these godly skills as he had performed healings and miracles around the countryside and in the massive city of Saint-Denis, who wouldn't be impressed by the holy power instilled inside of this man? 
Well, the king of France, mostly. He had already been informed of this oncoming crusade, and he would have absolutely no part of this. As he listened, bored, and unintentionally, unintently, as he listened, bored, and unintently to the man preaching before him, I'm sure the king wondered exactly why this guy was so short, so small, so boyish. Stephen of Cloy was his name, and he was a boy of 12 years old. And I think Alyssa has some fun information about this child. <laughs> he was a poor shepherd boy from Cloy, France, living with his mother and father, and he never attended any schooling, so he didn't know how to read or write. As soon as he was old enough, he was sent out to the fields to watch over their sheep. There weren't very many, so this wasn't a difficult task for him, which left him a lot of time to think. He often concerned himself with those brave question. Oh my! Those brave Christmas warriors. Something. He often concerned himself with those brave Christian warriors fighting for their lives in the Holy Land. There was no one to aid in their fight, no one to protect them. He could almost envision those who were chained doing tasks for their cruel masters. He could hear their cries, and he wanted to be old enough to fight for them, to wield his own sword and a lance, and fight for those who couldn't fight for themselves. But he was just 12 years old at the time. What could he do? One day that stuck out to Stephen uh, a lot was a day that he and his parents had went to a neighboring city to see the procession of black crosses that happens on St. Mark's Day. He saw priests and their followers carrying black crosses throughout the streets to honor and pray for those that were trapped in the horrid slave conditions in Jerusalem. Quick note, by the way, St. Mark was one of the original 12 disciples, right? Cool. He's patron, patron, he is the patron saint of Venice. Incredible. His symbols align with wings. Cute. Yeah. Um, he's the patron, patron saint of notaries, lawyers, painters, interpreters, and prisoners. And one source said that he is the patron saint of those suffering from insect bites. What a strange collection of things. Yeah, I don't really think that uh, they made sense. But after this day, um, after St. Mark's Day, Stephen couldn't sleep. When he got up the next morning, he didn't eat breakfast. And his mom thought that this was strange. And she said, you know, you're going to get sick if you keep thinking of all these bad things and skipping breakfast. Who's going to watch the sheep if he's not here? So she packed him a lunch and sent him to the fields. This is when he had... An amazing experience. We'll call it that. He was sitting on a rock under an oak tree and someone touched his shoulder. It was a stranger wearing a long black robe. He was pale with a friendly expression. His eyes were large black things filled with the fiery light that seemed never ending. Um, Stephen in that moment felt unsure but also really safe is how it was described. Like, he was, like, uneasy, but there was some sort of, like, calming feeling surrounding this stranger. The stranger told Stephen, who was very obediently listening, to raise an army, lead it to the Holy Land, and save the Christians who were there. Stephen says, well, I'm just a boy. How's that going to work? And the stranger says, the army will be of youths, just like yourself. You won't go clad in armor or have deadly weapons. It will be an army of peace, but it will win victories over the infidels greater than that have been won by armies of war. When they see the army of children advancing without weapons in their hands, they will know their error and embrace faith. 
They will set their captives free, and instead of enemies, they will become friends. Go forth and bear the message that has been given to you. So he's like, well, where do I go? And he's like, oh, to Saint, what is it? How do you say it? Saint-Denis. Saint-Denis. I don't speak French. So I don't either. It's in uh, the same name as in Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay, so. Saint-Denis. He's <laughs> told to go to Saint-Denis. So once this stranger disappears, Stephen goes home. It's earlier in the day, so his mom's like, um, hello? Like, why are you home? Like, what are you doing? Do you still have a job to do? Where are the sheep, Stephen? <laughs> and he goes, I'm not going to be watching the sheep anymore. I have more important things to do. And she's like, oh, yeah? Wait wait till your dad hears about this shit. She really pulled mom card. Like, She, right really, she really did. She was like, I'm not doing this. No. Wait till your father gets home. So then he's talking to his parents about this stranger that he met. And his parents were like, oh, my God, incredible. You do have more important things to do. You're absolutely correct. That was Jesus. Yeah, let's go. And they just let him go. Just like that? Yeah. They fully believed this 12-year-old. I'm sorry, but if I was 12 and I told my grandparents, I talked to Jesus. And he told me to raise an army of other kids. And we're going to go fight a war. That would send me to Sharps. 100%. No questions asked. That's a mental institution here, by the way. They'd be like, wow, Brad, you're insane. Goodbye. Right. And isn't it like some people say that this was just like a case of hysteria? Yeah. I guess depending on what you believe. No offense to like the Christians out there. But I mean, and then the fact that the stranger was like, oh, these these people will see an army of children and, and let all their slaves go. I'm sorry. No, the fuck they won't. They'll be like, huh. Kids. More slaves. Wow. 30,000 children. Yeah. Armed with thoughts and prayers. It's like the Republican Party. Oh, my God. I just can't, like... I don't, I don't know. That's basically all I have about Stephen. Other than, um... I think, yeah, this is where we overlap a little bit. Okay. He was just a 12-year-old shepherd who spoke to Jesus. Now... The very first crusade launched would be in the early thousands, and subsequent crusades would be launched afterwards. All holy wars had to be approved by the Pope. This crusade had no approval by the Pope or by the King of France. And the only reason was because this was led exclusively by children. Now, this was not the first children's crusade. There was another one that had already happened earlier in 1212, in Germany instead of France. Stephen's crusade would last about a month before he and his followers arrived in the city of Marseille, begging for food along the way, completely disheartened. Despite their leader's bravado and natural charisma, many of his followers, adults and kids, just abandoned him and went back home. They were just like, mm. No. no. This is what basically what I said. Stephen and his followers begged for food as they traveled. This lifestyle caused many children to just go home. Yeah, they were just like, mm, I'm fucking nope. hungry. Yeah, I'm out of here. The crusade led by Nicholas of Cologne would suffer pretty much the same fate, but it's darker and much more sad. He too was fueled by a vision from God. Nicholas and his group set out in early spring. He knew because he was told by the almighty creator himself, that if he walked to the ocean, the seas would dry up. 
and they could walk right into the Holy Land. No one would fight them, and the enemy would simply surrender as soon as they laid eyes on these child crusaders. Their belief system would be broken by the power of Holy God. Which sounds very similar to the exact same thing that happened to Stephen. Right, and I was thinking, I'm thinking, so this happened before this. Yes. Right? Yes. Or did they happen around the same time? This happened earlier in the year. It was 1212? Yes. Can I see your thing says August? Yes, that is when they... uh... Yes, that is when they kind of ended their thing. Okay. Theirs was a lot longer. Oh, yeah, no. His started in June and ended in June. Yeah. Yeah. This, it was like two weeks. This started in like the earlier part of the year and continued all the way through. Okay, well, then here's a theory. So he went to that St. Mark's Day thing with his parents, right? Right. What if he was in the crowd and somebody was talking about it, right? And he overheard it and was like, huh. I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the next day... He stayed up all night, you know, maybe plotting stuff. And then he was like, I spoke to Jesus like that one kid. Yeah. But just me. What if that happened? It very well could be. Show me a 12 year old that doesn't copy somebody. Exactly. Hashtag Fortnite streamers. Now, Nicholas's disciples. And yeah, for some reason, this kid absolutely had disciples (laughs) who were adults and older than him would spread a word around Germany and the Rhineland. And they preached about his revelations. He drew tens of thousands of people to the city of Cologne, and they hosted several weeks of missionary trips. This was intense. These children would split into two groups to look for different paths through Switzerland. So they left Germany and marched over the Alps in the middle of winter. Numbers decreased significantly and (laughs) very quickly. I wonder why. Cold, starvation, and exhaustion would claim the lives of thousands of these misguided children. Two out of every three would pass away. And only 7,000 of the original 35,000 people would ever arrive at their destination in Giona, Italy. That would be in August of 1212. So, like... I'm going to do some quick maths. By quick maths, I mean Google it. So 23% (laughs) survived. 23% survived. Now, those who did not pass away on this hike would abandon their leader and just return home to their families. But... Nicholas was unstoppable. So wait, so they crossed the Alps and they were like, this sucks. And they had to do it again to go back home? Pretty much. I wonder if any of them made it back home. I don't know. (laughs) I've got no record of that. Now, Nicholas was like an unstoppable force of nature. Despite the fact that so many people had just died, he was like, no, we're still doing this because God would not lie. And they just marched into the city of Giona and walked to the harbor. And the sea was supposed to just instantaneously dry out for them to walk. All right, Moses. All the way into the Holy Land. But, you know, the sea did that thing where it just did nothing. It was normal and absolutely nothing changed. The sea didn't part. It didn't dry. And many of Nicholas's followers, adults and children alike, were just like, ugh, worthless. (laughs) 
horrible. You gotta be fucking kidding me. I walked across the Alps for this. And they just started throwing accusations that he had betrayed them. And his loyal followers were just like, no, we'll just wait here. We'll wait here. God wouldn't lie. We're just gonna wait. We're gonna stay in this city until something happens. So Nicholas was like, yeah, that's great. That's cool. That's fantastic. So he and a group of his friends were just like, we're leaving and disappeared. They just left. Also, oh, some of the, so the loyal people stayed, but then Nicholas was like, peace out. Yeah, pretty much. The authorities were so impressed by the absolute blind display of faith that adults had in this child that they were like, okay, anybody who stays here, we're just going to give you citizenship in Giona. You can just be an Italian citizen because of all the shit you went through. We're just going to give you citizenship. Most of the crusaders would take this offer happily. Nicholas and his new followers would make their way to Pisa, and from there would rent a boat and travel to Palestine. Some of them, anyway. Nicholas would never do this. He and a select group of his children had changed plans last minute and were on their way to the Papal States. He met face-to-face with Pope Innocent III. He begged for this holy war, and the papacy would not allow it. And they could not allow children, literal children, to go and fight. So the Pope was basically like, no, this is stupid. You need to behave. And sent him home. <laughs> Nicholas and his group remain, or Nicholas and the group that remained would return home via the same Alps crossing that they used a second time. And he would not survive. He would die on the way back. He really did all this just for nothing. Really? sad. Really. Now, when news made it back to Cologne that Nicholas and most of these children had died, the citizenry was like, this is not great. This is not okay. We need to punish someone. But Nicholas was already dead. So they're like, who can we blame for this? So they arrested his father and hung him in the public square. Because I guess that was okay. That was really the only form of punishment they could give to anyone. The child's crusades never actually did what they were intended to do. But the thing is, it became terrifyingly clear to upper levels of clergy that exactly what had happened. Men who had trained their whole lives to preach and give sermons just failed. I mean... If a child could raise 30,000 followers, who's to say that he couldn't take theirs? What if they lost their flock? Could another religion preach the same things the same ways and steal the followers of the papacy? These two boys would end up being labeled as fanatics. There was a massive loss of life along the way in either directions. Nicholas would, after death, live on as one of the inspirations for the Pied Piper legend. Did you know that? No. Yeah. He's one of the main inspirations. Now, unfortunately, some other things would happen along the way. Some people died. Some didn't. A lot of children would just be kidnapped and sold into slavery. Some were lost at sea during a boat wreck. And uh, Tunisia is an area that comes up often in both stories, and it causes a bit of overlap with both events. Allegedly, many children from both groups were taken there and sold into slavery against it, against their wills. Although it's often said that those same kids died in a shipwreck there as well. It is a very common belief among scholars today that the event of the Child's Crusades absolutely did happen, 
However, it is thought that it was the result of mass hysteria instead of religious fervor. Throughout the Middle Ages, it was common for whole societies to start acting strange, history, such as dancing plagues or laughing madness, which would affect whole portions of cities and large denominations of the population of any given area. Could the visions that these child saw simply be this, in the form of mass hysteria? The idea of one infecting the ideas of many, leading to mass deaths and hundreds of miles traveled in the pursuit of religious ideology? Unfortunately, because of the spare details around the events of the Child's Crusade, as well as just how long ago these events played out, it's next to impossible to say exactly for sure. Mental illness running parallel to religious expansion could easily be the overall cause, and it's often thought that in modern society as well. Do you have anything else that you would like to sprinkle in? I don't think... This is the shortest episode I think we've ever done... I, yeah. Yeah, because they're... <clears throat> oh, my God. <clears throat> Are you good? No. Are you just allergic to Catholic children? <clears throat> I guess. We'll find out when we record the next one. I mean, I don't really have anything, because you talked about... Oh, so you talked about that letter? No one knows if that letter was real. Oh, I'm willing to bet that it wasn't. A letter from God? This kid couldn't read or write. How does he know it was from Jesus? How does he know what the letter says? It could be an IOU for all he knows. Some, it could be a summons to appear before court. <laughs> the stranger gives him a paper. This is a letter from God. You need to deliver this to King Philip. He gives it to King Philip. King Philip II opens it and it just says, We're trying to reach you about your car. <laughs> <clears throat> That's all it said. Nothing else. Nothing else. I mean, they. I. <clears throat> he performed miracles, but like, what did he do? Allegedly, he did some healings and some exorcisms. Okay, we're not gonna go down the exorcism path because I got strong opinions. But like, how can healings? How I don't understand how miracles work. Is because I'm not religious. Uh, kind of, yeah. Um, essentially what it was, was he laid hands on someone and invoked the name of the all-powerful God and just cured people of things like leprosy, blindness, you know, the exact same things that Jesus was doing in the Holy Bible, That's except fair. done by a 12-year-old. So essentially this guy is like a high-level cleric with some bard inspiration tossed in there as well for you D&D nerds. This podcast is mostly listened to by men in their 30s, so I'm going to <laughs> guess at least some of you out there play Dungeons and Dragons, and I think you'll appreciate the reference that this charismatic healer was just a high-level paladin or cleric with a little bit of bard tossed in. He's multi-classing. Anything else? Are we good? Any other confusion? Need things cleared up? It was a dry summer when they did this. They didn't have to worry about it being rainy. Well, thank God for that. That's all I got. I think we're good. I think that's gonna... <laughs> that's it. That's the episode. It's 20 minutes long. Well, it's gonna be like 16 minutes long with all the cuts. Yeah. Because someone can't talk today. No. It's because you don't have enough beverages. I, I know. I only have four. You need, a, you need a fifth drink. Well, actually, no. I'm only... I drank my coffee. I still have orange juice, Gatorade, and water, though. All right. That's the children's crusade. That's, that's, 
That's all the information we can find after working on this for literally a week and a half. <laughs> I can't believe I was complaining so much about like finishing it, but then there was like nothing. <laughs> this, it's, it was finished. <clears throat> yeah, it was finished. Okay. Today in history, it's the 9th of September, and we have some fun things for you. One is a prediction of the future. Oh. <laughs> in the year 1000 was the Battle of Svolder in the Baltic Sea. King Olaf, aboard the Long Serpent, defeated in one of the greatest naval battles of the Viking Age. He leapt to his death. He jumped overboard. He was basically like, no, fuck this shit. You're like, like, oh, I lost? Goodbye. That was it. Same. Yeah. (laughs) Checkmate. In 1862, Confederate General Robert E. Lee splits his army and sent General Jackson to catcher, catcher. Say, I wrote it right. You read it wrong. Yep. To capture Harper's Ferry, Virginia. Which is now Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. It is. Woo. First major battle of the American Civil War. Technically. Didn't know that. Just wrote it down. Technically. I literally, I want you to know, I'm going to tell you this right now. I know nothing about the Civil War. (laughs) Literally nothing. I know what happened. I don't know when. 1862, I guess. So what I'm hearing is season four of Strange History (laughs) is going to be nothing nothing but the American Civil War and the dumb shit that happened. I already talked about the gold robbery. Yeah. Did a whole episode about that. Yeah. Yeah. There was more in that episode. Yeah. It was mostly about Colonel Tyler. You listen. That was before you came in. Oh, I was thinking of something different then. Okay. No, oh. I haven't listened to any of the episodes that I'm not in. Oh. Other than the first one, because I had to fix it. Nope. That first one was... <laughs> Thank you so much for fixing that. I need to go back and fix the rest of them, but... They're so We're doing bad. this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot. This is so much. I feel like that's why we're losing so much listenership between episode one and episode two. Yeah. But it's fine. We'll get it fixed and then you'll love us. Maybe. Maybe putting in an intro and outro. Maybe. Maybe. We'll talk. We'll think about it. Um, In 1908, Orville Wright made his first one hour airplane flight in Fort Myer, Virginia. Phenomenal. And. I'm so excited about this one because it's so funny, and you're going to love it. I did not mean to shake the table. I'm so sorry. In 1945, the first bug was discovered in a computer software program. So it was the first actual, like, debugging. It was a moth. There was a moth in the computer, and they had to take it out. It was a real bug. So is that where it comes from? Yes. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) hilarious. I love that so much. (laughs) No, I knew you would. I don't know why I didn't write it down when I first did this yesterday, but it was a real bug. That's phenomenal. Right. Love that. And the rest of the stuff that I found for Today in History was so much stuff about tennis. And so I don't know if some, like, big tennis thing is happening right now and happens every year for the past 50 years. But if you're into tennis, a lot has happened on September 9th. Maybe. People winning and... Beating records. It's like the world open, maybe. Maybe I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. I don't. I tennis. played a single sport, unless you count cheerleading. Then I did two. But 
It is. It's the U.S. Open. Okay, well, that makes sense. It runs It runs from August 23rd to the 12th of September. Oh, okay, well, yeah. Then so much tennis stuff. So much tennis stuff. <laughs> this is not about to get into. The month of the tennis. month of tennis. It's no longer the beginning of spooky season. This is... Tennis. Tennis. Until this is the middle of the month, and then it's all good to go. Phenomenal. That was Today in History. September 9th. We got some battles. We got some airplanes. One of my favorite subjects. Bugs. And... <laughs> A moth, specifically. And then... Balls. And right. rackets. happen to be into true crime be sure to stay tuned after our outro to hear about mama murdered a podcast thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of strange history we hope this was a fun one for you it was a fun one for us or maybe just me i don't know how brad feels it was fun i definitely enjoyed the fact that this was a shorter episode i feel like it wasn't nearly as stressful on at least me <laughs> Anyway, I make everything a stressful event. <laughs> you had like a full mental breakdown last night because well, you weren't done with your scripts. No, I didn't have a breakdown. I just felt bad that I, I felt like I wasn't put it, pulling in my weight. And then I was like, bestie, you edit. Chill out. You do. You do. You do way more than you think you do. I know. You edit. You write. I write. I run social media. I feel like social media is pretty even, but. Yeah. I post funnier memes. You, you, no, yeah. You post good content. I interact with the right yeah. people. <laughs> I get us out there. <laughs> right. That's what I achieve. You need to definitely stay tuned as we get into October. We're going to be doing weekly episodes about a man. Or a woman. Or a monster of some sort. We're going to give you all a glimpse into how that'll look in our last episode of September. So be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for all the info on that. Plus, you can join in some of the fun conversations we've been having with fellow podcasters. Like uh, today's, which is not the day that this episode will be posted, but today on the 5th, we were talking about um, what drinks you have when you record, which I mentioned earlier, I have four. Brad has one. I have my absolute (laughs) obsession at present. Technically, you have two, but you left the other one. Yeah, I left the other one in the truck. I didn't have enough hands to carry that in. (laughs) Anyway, Brad's most recent obsession is the Starbucks Apple Crisp Macchiato with whole milk instead of oat milk and extra apple drizzle. This drink has been out since the 30th of the month, and I've already spent over a hundred bucks on just this <laughs> fucking drink. The, to be fair, some of it was me. Some of it was you, but when I started I get it with oat milk. When I started this month, I want you to know I had 25 points and now I have over over 500. Also, if you keep going, you'll get like a free drink soon. Oh right? no, I got the free drink at 200. I just oh. kept going. <laughs> I'm going to only use my points in October. Starbucks, if you're listening. You need to sponsor us because I've spent so much money at your establishment in Flatwoods in the past week that these people know me by name and by face. I showed up a few days ago and went inside to get my order and one of the workers there looked at me and he said, don't worry about it. I know what you want. I mean, even today we pulled up to the drive-thru and she was like, weren't you here earlier? I was not. I was there yesterday twice. (laughs) Anyway, follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Amazon, or really wherever your ears are listening. And you guys following us actually means a lot to us. We really, really keep track of the people who follow us and the people we interact with. Our audience has grown so much in the past few weeks. And you guys 
are a major part of that. You are absolutely fantastic. So thank you guys very, very much for your continued support of this silly little thing that keeps us both busy. You got so sentimental there, but you look like you're going to cry. I am. My eyes are I know. Watering. This is like your baby that I like took over. Yeah. And I was like, hi. I, I know raised, we just met, but I'm going to be on your podcast. I raised this thing from infancy and you showed up and you were just like, this is mine. This is mine. <laughs> but look, what's, look what we've achieved with a schedule and a yes. Twitter. <laughs> I feel like I lost a child support case and have to share custody now. <laughs> but for good, good, good reason, good cause. Very much so. Very much so. And of course, always enjoy the strange, weird things that make us, us. You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, AB. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We'll be taking a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar, but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser-known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the downright ugliest sides of society. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, you can rate me on Spotify. You can also leave a review and rating on Apple Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at murdered underscore mama. All of these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast. If you have any case suggestions, please send them my way. You can send them to the email address mamamurderedapodcast at gmail.com.